0: it's time for you to add value. This episode is brought to you by the Add Valued Entrepreneurs Podcast. We would love for you to like, share, and leave a review of our show. Subscribe on YouTube. Most importantly, help us spread the word about the great stories being shared on our show. Today's guest, Jane Sagalovich, is the Chief Strategist at Scale Your Genius. She founded the company in 2018 to help people whose work makes a difference in people's lives make a bigger impact, make more money, and have more freedom in how they do their work. Originally from Ukraine, she now lives the American dream in Colorado, where she gets to play in the beautiful Rocky Mountains while scheming her next international adventure. Jane Sagalovich and Robert discuss making the jump to entrepreneurship after years of hating Mondays. She wants to help others create value in the marketplace and eliminate crappy online courses. It is important to intentionally design what success looks like for you and be willing to test and tweak without giving up. Jane, thank you so much for joining me. I'm excited to have this conversation and looking to learn more about your journey and how you're impacting entrepreneurs and, and online entrepreneurs in the world.
1: Thank you, Robert. Excited to be here.
0: Absolutely. So typically, I just let everybody start with their own journey and their entrepreneurial path to get to where they are today.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I've been an entrepreneur for seven years now. Before that, I did the 20 years obligatory corporate America, climb up the corporate chain until one day I woke up and realized that everything looked so amazing on paper, but I was absolutely miserable. I was kind of living that cliche of hating Mondays and and all the things I didn't really want to do. And I was at a a company that's super well-respected, has an amazing reputation, and I was looking at, you know, my what I'm doing in my life and saying, if I can't be happy here, then the choice of company is not the problem. And so I left, I had a friend who was starting a consulting business at the time. I, I jumped on board to learn from him. Uh, He's, he was a a successful career consultant. So he's had several um, really successful firms by that point. So I thought, you know, jumping from corporate to entrepreneurship, let's smooth that out by, by, doing it with somebody who's done it before knows the ins and outs of that specific way of doing things. Um, so my, my, my first entry into entrepreneurship was a little smoother than had I wanted to do it completely on my own. Uh, we did that for about three to four years. It ended for various personal reasons. And so at that point I was, I was back to kind of square one saying, who do I want to be? What do I, what do I want to be when I grow up? What do I want to do for work? And, um, I decided to start my own business fully on my own at that point to really kind of hit a new growth level personally, professionally. And that was back in 2018. So four, four, four years ago, and uh, that was Scale Your Genius, pretty much in the form you see today. So really working with consultants, with coaches, with therapists, uh, lawyers, financial advisors, people who are in prof- uh, professional service businesses, and helping them get their work out to more people than they could in their normal business models.
0: Nice. And so, what's the background that helped you um, feel like you could help people create online courses?
1: Yeah, my background is is very strong in strategy, business process, and finance. And what? Uh, so, so in my last business with my ex business partner, we were we were creating uh, online programs as part of, of the last thing we did together before we we went our separate ways. And as I was trying to figure out how to do that, what I was seeing a lot was a lot of kind of step-by-step cookie-cutter processes without a lot of behind the scenes. Why do things work and not work? To me, kind of strategy 101, Why you know where do you want to go and what are the best ways of getting there? And so I really saw a huge gap for strategic thinking, planning really great processes that I thought I could bring into the space uh, and really kind of fill the gap for what I wished was there when I was looking to create our first online program.
0: Nice. Love entrepreneurs that recognize a gap and then choose to fill it.
1: Yep, exactly.
0: So let's talk about what was your biggest challenge in in making that leap on your own?
1: Oh, so many. Um, you know, I think one of the biggest ones that I keep... You know, it's continually a struggle was up until the day I left my corporate career, the, the key to success is very clear. So how to be successful in school is very clear. How to get into college, how to get into a graduate program, how to get good grades, how to get a job. You know, all of that stuff is so clearly laid out in our society. And, you know, maybe just the world that I was in, Every you know, everyone in my network going through an MBA, a lot of people go into, you know, corporate jobs and so there was just this very very clear path to success you do a then b happens you do c then d happens there was the formula was very clear in the entrepreneurship world there is no formula and so creating refining playing with that formula day after day month after month year after year without there being this you know there's never certainty but in the corporate world there's a lot more certainty around how things happen Um, That's something, you know, I I love it. It brings the excitement, but also the challenge of what do you think, you know, how do you make things work? And it's a lot more testing now than it than it ever was in in, in my past life.
0: Um, You used the magic word there, testing. I think the one thing entrepreneurs figure out or successful entrepreneurs figure out is their ability to test and experiment and try and the act of doing is really the act of learning
1: absolutely and and one of the things that i really see is people jump ship too early so Hmm. you see people coming in and, and, and and try to be entrepreneurs or try to do something like online courses online programs just something that's new and unfamiliar to them and they don't give it enough time to really test all the stuff or they're jumping from offer to offer, from idea to idea without really giving the time to settle into one idea, test and tweak, but don't give it, you know, three months and say, okay, it doesn't work. I'm going to go do something totally different now.
0: Oh, so powerful. The other thing you you mentioned in there is that the idea of designing your own. And so the, what does the idea of designing your own success look like?
1: Yeah. You know, for me, I, one of my values or two of my values are freedom and efficiency. And so one of the reasons that the corporate environment wasn't a great fit for me because of the whole, you know, anyone listening who's been in the corporate world, the whole butt and seat aspect of it, that, you know, the longer, the more they see you in the office, the better of an employee they think you are. And even with the more involved, evolved companies and management that was still there and, I'm always the kind of person who wants to get things done quickly and then go have fun, go play, go be with my friends, go, go travel, go do whatever. And so part of that is, you know, working 20, 25 hours a week, um, you know, there those hours are full and then there's all the time, you know, especially as entrepreneurs, there's all the time outside of those where I'm not physically working. It's in my, my brain's working, right? I'm not, I'm not doing things, but I'm, <laughs> but I'm doing things. Um, And so a lot of it is just really designing it around that freedom to not work too much, but also around the schedule. Um, Like I am, what is it? It's noon right now, my time. I'm getting kind of to the end of my brain power. I'm like 5 a.m. to noon. I'm amazing. Don't talk to me at 3 p.m. And so being (laughs) able to even like, yeah, design the overall flow of work, but also the daily flow as well of, you know, can I work from 5 a.m. to noon and then just do whatever I want for the rest of the afternoon? In a way that in the corporate environment is frowned on.
0: Oh, so I just had a conversation yesterday with a friend who specializes in Excel and efficiencies, and and his frustration was always that he'd come in and he'd take what took them twenty hours to, and he'd reduce it to two. Well, his in his mind, he's like, well, oh, now I can do this in two hours, so I've just freed up eighteen hours. But now they want him to do that two-hour thing nine times over.
1: Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> efficiency is not rewarded in the same way in that world. They're like, oh, great, you could do it faster. We'll, we'll just do more of it. not? This wasn't the last job I had, but it, the one before that, they replaced me with two people who, and I was already doing about 30 hours a week, not more. And they replaced me with two people working 50, 60 hour weeks. And I'm just, you know, efficiency is something that, you know, if some people don't value, that's totally fine. But to me, I, you know, the faster I could do things doesn't mean I need to do more. It just means I have more time to do other things.
0: <laughs> yeah. And the corporate has no, has no model to fit that in and, and reward it. it they don't pay per the project. They don't pay per, uh, you know, spreadsheet completed. <laughs> they, they simply want you, like you said, but in the seat.
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, the other big thing that I really saw and heard there too, was what will the other people think when they see you leaving at 3 p.m. And so there was a lot of just insecurity in management, and that's a whole other topic of leadership training and management training in corporate. But that was a lot of the comments I heard. Well, okay, well, if you leave, that looks bad, and you know that that's a leadership problem. That's not a me problem.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. Well, a culture problem. Yeah. Too right. The the corporate culture. Is so created on you know well, everybody's got to be in their seat. Obviously, huge shifts have just happened, you know, in, in corporate culture. With so many, you know, two years ago, working at home was impossible. That's that just we can't do that. That'll never work. And now we're we've come to find out not only does it work, it can work better. And I think there might be some room in that model for you know efficiencies to play into people people's productivity. And, and allow them to time to take care of a pet and take care of their children and take care of these things. And I think the companies that are have opened their eyes to seeing outside the box and say, whoa, we're getting more work done in less time and they're still working at home and not commuting. Let's take advantage of this versus the companies that are freaked out and saying we need the butts back in the seats.
1: Yeah it's been interesting watching how the companies are handling the return you know the return to the office and yeah i'm i am surprised i'm surprised and not surprised at how many of them are requiring the full back to the office model um, and, and of course there's a lot of benefits in being the office with the relationships and all that. So it's it's not it's not useless, but I do think, you know, back when I was in corporate, I thought some kind of like 2 days at the office, 3 days from home would have been the perfect schedule and at that point nobody was even, you know, willing to consider that. Now I think people have gotten a little more used to it, but I've also heard the horror stories of people working from home and being like monitored with cameras and timing things on their computers and like, you know, whatever the, the things that track your mouse and just even for higher level professionals that shouldn't have this kind of oversight, so so there was definitely a lot of a lot of those management insecurities were showing up big time
0: i I did hear some of the other stories where they're working from home running their zoom meetings and open to daycare as well so
1: <laughs> well and right and how do you track right if if we track outcomes, then you know if you want to run an if you want to run a daycare and you're able to produce at a high level then then you do you. <laughs> uh.
0: Love that track outcomes. What like productivity can be king.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> ah, so good. So let's talk about obviously jumping out on your own in, in 2018. What what was effective for you to to build an audience to to generate leads and and create a following?
1: Yeah, I'll you know doing it. <laughs> I I think one of so a lot of entrepreneurs who did come from corporate, a lot of them were in sales in their corporate environment. So they had a little more of a a natural journey. My roles in corporate were always kind of, we were the clients. I was in finance, investment, strategy roles in corporate environments. And so we were the ones who were clients for other people. So I was never really... I never learned how to sell. I never knew how to sell other than I have a little, you know, I have, I had enough of it as a natural skill. as a natural instinct. I have an undergrad in marketing, but the actual sales skills I didn't really have. And then to make matters worse, now you're selling not just the company, but you're selling your own self and all the insecurities and all the stuff that comes with it. So I would say for the first long time, I just, I was, I was hiding. I was just really kind of hoping people would magically find me. I was doing some networking and not, you know, networking did bring in clients. It's just inefficient. Um, And so it was really just saying, put my ego aside, put my fears aside and, and, and really, really buy into the value that my offers that my products and services are offering and just focus on that and forget all the other stuff that's kind of or work with the other stuff that's kind of up, bubbling up in the background to just do it. I think mean, that was, that that was it. Well,
0: I mean, something really important in there is the value, right? Finding, finding the value. I think so many entrepreneurs undervalue themselves. They undervalue the service that, that they're offering, the change that they're offering or gap that they're filling. And, and when you undervalue, it's actually harder to sell.
1: Oh, it's impossible. It's, yeah, it's, it's almost impossible.
0: And and they feel they feel the opposite, right? They feel like, well, if I charge over two hundred dollars, nobody will, will want that. And 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 so it's really challenging for, for many to to see and I, I call it an energy equation, right? The the higher the value that you put on something, the higher the value that a client will put on it, and the more energy that is exchanged, the more results that will come from it for both people, regardless of how good they
1: are. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's a lot of around the investment of yeah, the more they invest, the more they are willing to show up. So, you know, if somebody spends $100, if $100 is not a lot to them, they're not as likely to put in the work to show up, do whatever it takes as if they were going to spend 1,000, 5,000, 10,000. I do talk a lot about pricing psychology because I think it is such an interesting, fascinating topic and it's the value exchange, but it's also people who I see a lot of people who will Price something, and then when it doesn't sell, they lower the price. When they actually need it to raise the price, because when there is a value mismatch in the consumer's eye, they may not know what's wrong, but they feel something's wrong, so they just they just won't buy. It'll sound hypey, overpromised. It's it's just not going to work. And so yeah, when the price to value is is not aligned, there there's just a lot of a whole lot goes wrong.
0: <laughs> it does, and and it's so hard because like you mentioned earlier is. Not only are you selling yourself, but, you know, selling the, the course. Um, you've mentioned outcomes in, in corporate and a lot of online courses get caught up in the features and, and get caught up in the in the person, the creator. Um, when the reality is the only thing that's you're selling is the outcome. How do you mm-hmm. help? How do you help your your clients focus on the outcome and and how they create that outcome? But then again, and of course, how they market that outcome.
1: Yeah. It's just the, it's the whole foundation of the work, you know, that they, that is the first thing we do when, when I work with people who want to create those courses and programs is what are the outcomes that they want to create for people? And, and a lot of, I work with experts who have years of brilliant wisdom expertise. And a lot of times what they do is approach it like, okay, I have wisdom. Let me put it online, which does not work uh, (laughs) versus like, what do you want to create? What's the outcome for yourself? What's the outcome for your clients? And then that's you know that's the beginning of the unraveling of, of the rest of the process.
0: Nice, and it and it's challenging. Like you said, they have all this wisdom, and they want to put out they want to put out wisdom, and expect people compensate them for wisdom. But it it doesn't matter what level they are. People buy outcomes. They don't buy <laughs> they don't buy connections. They don't buy relationships. They don't buy they buy an outcome. And and yeah, the the best marketers are the ones that figure out how to focus on the outcome. And of course I think the best course creators <laughs> focus on the outcome.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. I always say a course is a path towards or it's a step by step path towards a certain outcome or result. And you know, information's free, right? We can go Google anything, it's on YouTube. Worst case it's 10 bucks for a book, right? But there is no shortage of information in in you know 2022 and so that's not a selling proposition saying I have wisdom, you know, I have information. Nope, nobody cares.
0: <laughs> well, and the fact that that's what you're doing is taking that wisdom, and I'm putting it in a in a pattern or you know a pathway, like like you mentioned, that gets this outcome. And then mm-hmm. people are like, "That's the outcome I want, and I want it faster than it's going to take me to YouTube it or look for it or, or research for it." And that's the that's the value that I'm willing to to, to compensate for, especially someone you know a lawyer or a you know, somebody that has like you said, years and years of experience, years and years of wisdom, there's the that's how that increases the value that they're adding. But if their outcome is is this little thing, the value is not going to match. And that's where you you talked about the misalignment. They need to create something that leads to this fantastic outcome that that you're promising people. Um, and, and and it's hard i I don't know why is that so hard to get lined up sometimes for people? <laughs>
1: I think just from the inside, right? I mean, it's just I, I get support with my business the same way. When I'm in it, when we're inside of our information, inside of our brain, we, we're just not objective. We 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 can't see what what an outside person can see, and so. W- you know, just even from the first call with the people that I work with, their first feedback is always like, "Wow, I did like I I didn't see this. I didn't know it was in there, and all and all of it came from inside of them. I didn't add anything to it. I didn't give any external feedback. I just asked them some questions that really allowed them to unravel their own wisdom into into a process, into outcomes, into things that that's now marketable.
0: <laughs> it's so good, and yet we all need that inside work, um, and yet it seems like. And I think that's the challenge is the ego, right? The ego gets in the way and says, well, I should know how to do this.
1: <laughs> yeah, you know, and, and I have to say, this is, I think, where coming from corporate, I'm at a, um, I have the benefit of having had support teams, right? We always had assistants. We were part of a team that I was never the person who had to do it on my own. So part of it was the struggle of having to figure out how to do a lot more on my own than than I wanted to. But the gift of that was actually, I am so quick to outsource all the things where I see a lot of other entrepreneurs struggle. They're really hoarding onto to the cash instead of valuing their time. So to me, if it's not something like, I, I, an example I always use, like people mess around in Canva creating Instagram posts or whatever so much. And it's like, it's going to take them two hours to create an Instagram post when they could have paid five bucks you know, for somebody else. And so- Where's the value of time? And so 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 that was a gift I had coming from corporate and being so supported was I don't want to do any of this stuff. I don't care to do any of this stuff. Somebody else do it. I'm gonna outsource so it so, super quickly.
0: So let's dig into those those categories that you you use to to decide what you're outsourcing.
1: Any Anything you, one, you're not good at and you don't love. So there's some things I do in my business that I'm not great at, but I just enjoy it. So like I can put on a Netflix and I can, you know, I like building like funnels, for example. So I love logic. My brain loves logic. So creating paths and conditional, um, like conditional triggers and things like that, that's just fun for me. Can somebody do it quicker, easier? Probably, but it's also one of those things that I just enjoy doing enough that, and I'm really good at it. So, so I do it, but it's not, you know, but I wouldn't call it a core CEO ta- task ever. And so it's that balance of, if you enjoy it, sure, but just watch where, so it's not like all of the things you're doing are enjoying so that you're procrastinating from the more important stuff from marketing from sales. So it's a it's a lot of kind of self-awareness of why are you doing these tasks that somebody else could do.
0: Right, and then and then narrowing down to the tasks that 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 you have to do, right? That the heart, like the heart of the business, like obviously as a business coach, I can't outsource the coaching.
1: You could, you could train, you could, you could have a model where you train. Yeah, you could do a train the trainer kind of thing, but yeah,
0: certainly. But if I'm outsourcing the coaching, then then I'm yeah, it just changes the it changes the the dynamic. And so,
1: yeah, yeah, and then you know, a CEO strategy and vision to me that's that's one of the biggest biggest things that we do as business owners, as, as the people at the helm of, of an organization. And so that's that. And and if somebody, I mean, I can't think of an entrepreneur who's also not a strategy, who's also not a visionary. So it's a thing we get support with, but we're still, you know, we're still the ones leading, leading that charge. Pretty much everything else could be outsourced.
0: There you go. Well, and, and, but that's a mindset shift that a lot of entrepreneurs don't make, right? They own their business pretty much like they own a job. And so they own their job and they're just doing a nine to five job that they happen to own versus someone who's taken the approach that you have and saying, no, I'm a CEO of a company and now I have, I have minions, <laughs> right? <laughs> I have, yeah. I have these people that I'm outsourcing these pieces to, I have these experts that I'm paying to do these things and I'm controlling the, this, this network. And that allows multiplication, right? That allows scale so much faster. And and you mentioned entrepreneurs holding on to the money, um, whereas they can generate so much more so much faster if they choose to let go of some of the things that, like you said, they're not very good at, they don't enjoy doing, and so they put them off even longer. And, Mm -hmm. and somebody, somebody out there is an expert at it, loves to do it, gets it done in 10, a 10th of the time and only charges you, you know, for that 10th of the
1: time. Exactly. Yeah. And it's, you know, in my background's investments. And so, you know, I it's easy for me to look at money as investing, right? You, you put in a $1,000 into something, at some point in time, you're going to have $10,000. Or you can sit on your $1,000 and say, I have a $1,000. And that's what I see a lot of business owners doing, sitting on their $1,000 saying, I can't get rid of, the, you know, this is my $1,000 versus investing it into something that allows them to grow their business to $10,000 as an investment in their business. I think it's a mind shift that people who didn't, you know, who just, who don't, who don't have that background and typical, like entrepreneur service-based professional business education is, is, is lacking big time. And so there's just, they haven't had the guidance to think about investing in their business in this kind of strategic way.
0: Yeah. Well, it it just sounded like you were speaking the parable of the talents. Like it, it was that, this is this is thousands of years old, right? Yeah. We we want to take our thousand dollars and hide it under a rock because whew, that was a lot of work to get. Whereas recognizing scalability, recognizing if I use this, right, and I think that's a scarcity mindset, right? Money wants to be used. Money's designed to be used. That's not to say that that there's not a place for, of course, saving it and and, and having investments that are working for you. Those are part of the strategy, but the truth of money is it likes motion.
1: Mm-hmm. And then yeah. So, yeah, it's so energy.
0: Put the money to into motion for yourself; um, it it goes to work for you, and becomes Absolutely. becomes that tool that's working. How am I using my money for my good? Right, buying time, buying some of those things that that you don't enjoy doing, and and that mindset shift is a shift from scarcity to abundance.
1: It is. And, it, you know, and it's a very different way of thinking of investing your money than, than the traditional investment uh, people kind of teach you is that, you know, we, invet, we invest in savings accounts and, and 401ks and, and now crypto and, and all these things. And I, as a business owner, investing in our business is... One of those buckets, and you know, depending on how you run your business, it could be one of the highest returning buckets. It could mm. also be a total loss if if you know you're throwing money away at stupid stuff. But it has the potential to be the highest returning bucket.
0: Absolutely, there are some folks that that follow the the I don't want to pay any taxes model and invest in all the things that are deductibles, but but they still end up with a zero bank balance at the end. Mm. They pay less taxes. Yeah, <laughs> but they're still a broke business owner.
1: yeah I, I'm a big fan of minimizing tax bills and yeah it's part of the overall strategy. it's not a it's not a standalone task
0: right well and and if you put the money in other places where it's working for you rather than just simply avoiding taxes, I agree with you minimizing taxes is is, is the, the ultimate goal
1: mm-hmm.
0: but <laughs> maximizing deductions shouldn't be the model.
1: Well, and it, it right, it, it it's what is the metric you're 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 tracking. So, you know, I I like tracking cash flow because at the end of the day, it takes all the accounting stuff out of it and it's whatever your tax, whatever all the bills are, cash cash is king, cash doesn't lie. So, when you look at that number at the end of the day, that tells you a lot including including your tax bill.
0: Absolutely. Like that. We will be right back after this short break. This episode is sponsored by the newly released book Dream Life Planner, Move from Tired and Overwhelmed to Free and Empowered by Noel L. Peterson, available on Amazon, or you can order a personalized signed copy at Empower, E-M-P-O-W-E-R 2, dream.com. That's Empower, number two, dream.com. If you enjoy the show, please like and subscribe, leave a review, tell your friends. Welcome back. Let's get back to more greatness. So, Let's talk a little bit about obviously you, you've got a great deal of confidence in teaching others and, and helping others. How, how did you generate that or develop that, that confidence that you have to create a course and then of course to teach others to create courses?
1: Yeah, uh, how did I I didn't feel like I needed a lot of confidence to do it for ourselves because that was you know I think doing it for, for yourself. For me, just felt safe enough, right? We had we had a business that was successful. We were just adding one more thing. Worst case, the online thing doesn't work out, no big deal. A little bit of time lost, a little bit of money, but not really a big, a big thing. When I so when that business, our first business um fell apart and I was looking at what to do next. I really wasn't thinking online courses. And I was just, I was really in this just blank slate of I don't know what to do now. And talking to entrepreneurs, talking to other people and who know what we've been doing with with our last business and, and our program I was like, well, why don't you teach others? And um it took a while for me to say, yes, this is a valuable thing because, you know, and I think when things come easy to us, it's hard to see the value to other people. Right. So for me, creating this online program and doing kind of strategy and processes was just so obvious. And so seeing that other people really need this and want to pay money and are willing to pay money was, was the, um, was kind of the shift. And so I created a program. I took some beta clients through it um, just to see if like my idea, and I've never taught anything, you know, teaching, I did some kind of corporate training stuff but I was never an official trainer. I was never a part of the L&D department or anything like that. I was always in the finance strategy investment side and so it was like can I even teach? Are people, you know, how 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 are people going to respond to this? And the response was like, "Wow, this is this is the most powerful program I've taken. This is like your approach is so fresh because there's so much stuff said in the online business industry that's kind of repeated from one person to another." And I came in with a completely my own approach um taking some of the stuff that i see works here too so so i didn't you know i'm not i'm not blind to what works in the industry but it was just very different and and i got the feedback and, and then i said all right let this this is the business this is what it's gonna be and so you know i still still human i my imposter syndrome still comes in and I read testimonials when that happens. That's one of my favorite things to do. I have a big, big Google Doc where I dump them all in when they come in, and there are times I just need to go read that and be like, "All right, I'm not crazy. People, people really are saying this." That's
0: a that's a pretty powerful exercise to recognize that I need to keep my wins. I need to celebrate my wins. Uh, David Goggins called it the cookie jar, right? He put all the Mm. the positives in the cookie jar, and when when he gets smacked in the face. In his case, that happened a lot. I hope, you know, online courses, That's not quite as, as as difficult of a world, but being able to have that cookie jar to pull those encouraging notes out. And for entrepreneurs, that's hard. That's hard. So that's really smart that you save your testimonials and, and you, you've actually got a, a folder that, you know, remind yourself when you're in that moment, like, I need to go read some of those and remind myself. And 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 that's that can be really challenging for many.
1: It's so hard. I think we just can't. I think it's so hard for us to see our own value to others in the, in this kind of way. Yeah.
0: Unless you're an egomaniac, and, the, I, and there's some well, of those out there.
1: <laughs> yeah, and I'd say they still have a flavor. There, there's still a flavor of it that's you know that that's still.
0: Ab- absolutely, yeah. They love it. In fact, they they ask for it. Right? Like they just. Yeah, they just put themselves out. Look how great I am.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and there's probably some insecurities under there that they're trying to cover up.
0: Of course. Oh, boy. So that kind of leads me towards the value of gratitude. Um, and, And how has gratitude served you in addition to your your testimonial folder?
1: I mean, that's the foundation of, of, of my life. We were, um, we're actually refugees from Ukraine. We moved to the United States Mm -hmm. in 1991. And I mean, now, you know, we're recording this when there's a war going on in Ukraine and my level of gratitude for what my parents did to take my sister and I and the rest of our family out of there into the greatest country on earth, I'll say it. Um, what also feels like the safest these days, I, it's just, uh, it's, every moment of every day. I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful for, you know, the opportunities I have being able to be a business owner, an entrepreneur, to own a home, to, you know, have the freedom of my life, of, of what I built is, is pure gratitude for, for what got me here. It wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't just me.
0: Yeah. Well, and, and knowing that, right. Knowing that you, you the things you're doing today, you couldn't do not just because of the war, but you couldn't do just because of the the environment and 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 the opportunities don't exist. And so many do take those things for granted. So thank you for sharing that. And and obviously, you know, heartbroken. I'm heartbroken for the world. Heartbroken for the families that have been displaced, and of course, the families that have lost um, so much, so much meaningless destruction.
1: Mm-hmm. It, it's, and, it's crazy.
0: Yeah, it's it's heartbreaking. Uh, and, and yet being able to recognize the blessings in, in your own life and that opportunity that it creates is the opportunity to give back, right. To, to contribute in, in what ways has, as building your own company and, and doing your own thing allowed you to give back to the community?
1: Yeah. I mean, one of the biggest, I, 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 I'm going to say, I look at myself as like a conduit of abundance. It feels mm. good to me to see it that way. So Money that comes in, I love passing on. Um, I, you know, one of the reasons I hire quickly and outsource is I love paying paying other people. So it's it's part of it is of course getting it off my plank, creating more freedom for me in my own life. But I also love right like love sending those payments to other people who are helping me with my business. Um, there are several charities I support. And just being, gent- you know, I just think spending money in any, you know, even paying my housekeeper, even paying you know, my landscape person who was here earlier today, it's just how do you put that money? Like you were saying, money wants to be moved. And so for me, it's the money I earn. I want to give it, I want to pay it forward. There's of course a value exchange that comes with it, but I love the feeling of paying people, of, of like writing checks, of paying bills, of, of giving money. So to me, it just feels really good to do that.
0: That's such a great way to Feel about it, right? That's that energy that you're adding to the exchange is is so valuable, right? Like I interviewed Dennis Yu, who's a huge mark digital marketing space. That, you know, runs a multi-million-dollar digital marketing firm, and his goal is to, to hire a million people to mm, give a million people jobs, and that includes you know overseas and and, and other places, but. They're still paying higher salaries, double and triple what those people would typically get in the Philippines and, and in other places. and they're giving them jobs that they enjoy doing. And, and it's that same kind of attitude. just love to send them the money. just love to pay them and see what they can do for their families, you know with with these these opportunities. and And so I, that' you're, you're one of the first person that's you know building a small entrepreneur world and yet loves being able to outsource and, and just send people money and, and compensate them. And so your attitude towards outsourcing and, mm-hmm. and hiring is, is so fantastic. So thank you for, for sharing that, that level of authenticity. <laughs> it's thank just you. Enlight- yeah. and I, It's enlightening. I think.
1: Thank you. And I feel, you know, and, and it's when I feel like I'm on the receiving side of that. So, so much too. Right. I just, you know, I think when, when you're living in that energy, you see it. From the receiving, you just see the generosity of the people around you, and and just yeah, the, how much I get—not just from clients, but like you know, as money comes at us from so many different ways, and and I really I see it and I notice it and I love it and I'm grateful for it, and so it just it feels really good to be part of that that energy flow.
0: When you just recognize the flow, right? It's coming in, and I can put it out like it's just—I'm mm-hmm. not supposed. I don't to need to it. hoard it. Yeah. Yeah. And there's, there's so much challenge in hoarding and just stopping, right? Just not making choices to use it stops the flow and, and you're putting up a dam and and the dam is stopping it and, and the energy it takes to knock the dam down, slows it down and slows. Yeah. It's so you're, you're in such a, a great mindset regarding your money and the flow of money and the energy of money that, that a conduit of abundance is just a fantastic way to, to to envision it and envision mm-hmm. yourself as like I'm just the I'm just the I get to I get the blessing of writing these checks and sending yeah. these payments.
1: I get to magnify it right. I get to magnify the abundances for oh. that for everybody.
0: So good. So let's talk about mentors. You mentioned being able to jump out of corporate and go to work with a consulting friend and and learn entrepreneurship under you know alongside somebody else. And so you didn't necessarily have to jump straight into, into it alone. What other ways have mentors helped your, your growth in your journey?
1: Yeah. And, and, you know, even though, so, so in hindsight, it was absolutely amazing having my partner by my side and a lot of this like personal development stuff that we've been talking about, I would have loved to have known to have hired a coach therapist, somebody to help help me with, with that stuff. I think, you know, my journey was perfect in the way it was, and it could have been quicker, better, felt better. So if I were to do it again, I would absolutely hire somebody to just support the emotional side of it more, you know, the strategy, my ex-partner's a strategy pro, I, you know, that we, those weren't the skills we were personally lacking, but on the personal side, what that would have made the journey much better, easier, um, possibly would have still had the last business with the ex-partner, maybe not. It's, you know, it's all it's all right the way it is today. So that was with that business. In this business, um, really getting help with marketing and sales was a huge part of it. And the first marketing a coach I had was really helping me a lot with the emotional stuff. You know, she, was, she knew marketing, but she also had the coaching expertise. And so while I hired her for what I thought was going to be pretty straightforward marketing strategy- what she was helping with is that personal stuff. And because I no longer had my partner, it was just all that stuff became really visible and clear. And and so that was a lot what she was helping me with. And so I worked with her for a while. I've been in a lot of high-dollar masterminds, group coaching programs, kind of entrepreneur support systems, coaches and things like that. And I just, you know, I every single one is powerful and amazing and and kind of brings exactly what we need so i think i I, there's always and i and i cycle through them um you know whatever the need is in that moment for me so
0: you mentioned a couple key words in there uh mastermind high dollar um for and i know that you you would see those as investment investment yourself and i think for entrepreneurs that feel like that there's just that oh i can't afford that right and so how how do you, how would you help somebody see how much value there is in, in, in these higher ticket mastermind and higher ticket coaching?
1: It's such a personal decision. I think, you know, what I've gotten out of most of those is rarely what it promised. I got something only (laughs) like maybe a new relation, maybe like a new business relationship or even a new personal relationship or, uh, you know, exposure to, to, to perspectives I didn't have. And so, I was in some like sales, mind you know, very sales focused masterminds where I actually didn't use the sales tactics they were teaching because they didn't align for me. But I but I got so many other things out of it that I always feel like the value. I, I just never regret investing money like that because I always the, the right thing always comes out of it. So as far as telling other people, you know, it's it's hard because it it is a personal decision. The outcomes are never guaranteed; they're not certain. And so I, I think going in there saying, okay, if I'm going to pay 15000 I must have this kind of outcome. I think that just sets people up for potential disappointment. But coming in saying, you know, I'm going to grow as a business owner, as a human, as an entrepreneur in some way, as a result of this experience, then you can't lose.
0: Hmm. Well, and there's, and there's just that that value equation we talked about earlier, right? The bigger the investment, the the more energy that you've put into the that you've put in, that everybody else has put in. And, and the truth is the group, it goes back to Jim Rohn's idea of, you know, you become like the five people closest to you. And when you have the opportunity to participate in a mastermind where you're not the smartest person in the room and, and you're, you're among people that are moving money at a, at a much higher rate and a much higher frequency in times. um, I just think that sometimes the value isn't always in in the title or in the, in the expectation. It
1: it can be. Yeah. I mean, and I, there, there's definitely the value of, you know, spending more money and being around those people. My high, I'd say one of my favorites and and highest value program I've been in is $99 a month. I've gotten amazing relationships, the best advice, the most ROI, the best, everything of this low ticket program that was executed exceptionally well. Um, I have to say, you know, being in the course program world, I have seen people, providers use the charge high um, advice incorrectly thinking, oh, well, I'm just going to charge a high price. People are going to show up and that's that's it. And so I've seen some inc- very poorly executed high ticket programs where that value exchange failed, right? So, so I still, I got something out of it, but it was poorly done. So yeah, I, I'd say sometimes, you know, it's it's not always how much the thing costs.
0: Oh, certainly not. Yeah, no, certainly. Value still is value, regardless of the yeah. price tag. Yeah, absolutely. So you mentioned your niche early on. How, how did you end up coming down to your the niche that you've you mentioned? You know, you did a beta test. You've you tested. You know, your ideas and found out. Hey, there's some value. This is going to work, and it's going to be what I hoped it would be. At least it had that foundation. Um, but let's talk about the niche and, and and the value of knowing who you serve.
1: Yeah, yeah. So with online courses specifically, you know, I, I kind of went out with my beta just saying who wants to create an online course? Let's see who resonates, let's see who I work with. And as, you know, over the five years that I've really been tailoring it down. Um, Therapists are about 80% of the people I work with, mental health professionals. It definitely increased in in early 2020 with the pandemic with, you know, the mental health demand becoming higher, but also therapists having to go to uh, telehealth, Whereas, whereas before they may have had a belief that work has to happen in person. And all of a sudden they're thrown into telehealth and like, okay, telehealth sucks, but we can't do in person. So what are other options? And so the online course program model, especially the kind I teach that includes a high level of one-on-one or group support that felt really good for them, um, was a natural transition. And and then lawyers, financial advisors, like other people that are kind of expert, well-educated, have a lot of wisdom to share people who were both resonating to me um, with, again, I think we, we share levels of education and experience that I think we, we can relate to each other well from that aspect. Um, and also the way I do my work with the personal touch, for a lot of them, they are so good in their own world and coming into the online space does not feel natural. And so with so many other programs that are more kind of hands-off, that are more like courses and things like that, it just it wasn't the right kind of support for these people who want to make sure that their brand reputation, that the value and the quality of their work really gets translated. Um, the one-on-one support that I offer provided provides them that extra guidance that they need to create something that's really representative of their work.
0: Oh, so good. So helpful. So what, what inspires you?
1: So many things. Um. I mean, you know, in in, in direct client client work when they when they get those aha moments, when there's someone who's like have their shit together so well and all of a sudden see a new perspective that they may not have seen before is is pretty cool. Um, And then, you know, really seeing the successes too, seeing them being able to sell and deliver these models, having them like seeing their testimonials from their clients coming in with their programs is always is always super fun. And just hearing like, yeah, I can finally, you know, I can, I can travel with my family and, and, and I'm making money. I can do this from all over the world. I can, you know, I don't have to grind out set, you know, client session after client session until I die. So <laughs> that kind of stuff. Whoa.
0: So what do you have to do in your free time?
1: I'm um, back to travel uh, after, you know, a year and a half of not, I, I finally went to, it was a Greece late, uh, late last year, had wow. a couple of trips this year. And so I just, I love, I love traveling um, here in Colorado. So mountain time outside kind of hanging out.
0: Nice. So I jump to routines. How have, how have routines helped you in, in your personal development?
1: I, I have flexible routines. So I have ideas for what I want, but I also kind of let my intuition guide, guide my days. Like I love my morning routines, but this morning I spent the first two hours of my day watching Netflix because that's just what felt right. I had a call at I client call at 10 AM Till hmm. then I was just hanging. I was just, I felt like watching some Netflix and I did. And, um, for me, flex it, that kind of flexibility and intuitive schedule works really, really well. If it's too strict, it doesn't work, but I do have, um, I have routines when I want them. So my, my morning routine oftentimes will involve, um, the, one of the first things I'll do is I'll do some meditation. Then I'll put my coffee, like my coffee will be getting ready. I have a rebounder at home. So I'll do like bounce to you know bounce or dance to some fun music. I'll do journaling. Um, and then, and then get into some work, but it also, but it really is. I allow myself to not do those things. If I'm, if that's not what's feeling right in that moment. Um, Cause I, I just, I've been doing it all long enough. I know I'm not, I know I'm not avoiding it. It's just like, this is just not the moment I want to do it. And I come right. back to it another time.
0: I love that. I'm not going to be a slave to my routine.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. That's fantastic. All right. So you kind of mentioned, uh, you know, Netflix and, and chilling and, Watching just because you can, right? That's a choice because you're efficient in the times that that you want to be. So, how important is play and fun?
1: It, it's yeah, that's that's it. Yeah, <laughs> it's one of the most important things.
0: And and how do you help others feel like play and fun? That 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 there's a space for play and fun, right? Yeah. Corporate, obviously, I think we we corporate in many cases creates corporate drones, right? Nine to five. You hate Monday mornings. You you got it. You fun and emotions and and those things are sometimes you, you got to keep those in their space, right?
1: Yeah, I and mean, you know, even in my corporate jobs, I was all I, I was never a, a good corporate soldier as they call them. I was, you know, I just I was always even if I was there during the right hours, I still wanted to have, you know, for it to be more playful and have more fun. And, and and so it was never something I excluded. As far as how I help others, you know, that, that that's the core of the work I do with them, right? The work we do enables them to have more time for whatever they choose to do with play or fun.
0: Hmm. Love it. I mean, I was a big advocate of, of designing your business to fit the life that you want. And so yeah. helping people have the vision for the life that they want and then being able to design their business. It's similar to designing the course, right? You, what is the outcome that you want to help people achieve? And then we design the course around it. My role is helping people design their business around the life that, that they want. Um, and so often a business can take over, right? And can can run somebody over and wow, we've hired four people and we're making, you know, we're making you know millions every quarter, but but we're running ourselves ragged. And and being able to say, no, wait, we wanted to travel and we wanted to do this and, and and being able to say, all right, how do we design the business so that it satisfies these things? And yet, you know, isn't doesn't become its own, you know, take on a life that becomes, you know, like the calendar takes over our lives.
1: Absolutely. Yeah.
0: So can you speak to the freedom of designing I mean, I think we've we've kind of touched on it, right? Because you love efficiencies and something you can get done in two hours versus you know the, the 10 hours for the person in the cube next to you. Um, I, I think being an entrepreneur gives you the freedom to watch Netflix from eight to ten in the morning if you want to, and then and then do your work. Um, so I just I just love being able to share that that idea of designing designing your life. And your business to to lead you to where you want to be. So, what have been the other blessings for you in in designing your business and and obviously serving others, right? And the most successful entrepreneurs are the ones that can provide the most value and 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 impact. You know, solve the most problems for people, right? And so, mm-hmm. your gap wasn't the education gap in in the online space. Um, but what other blessings have have you benefited you know, from being an entrepreneur and and having your own design?
1: Yeah, I think you know I think a big a big thing, and while well, I felt this in corporate too is like pride. I love to feel proud of what I create and and th- this this was this was relevant in corporate too, so pride in in you know either what our team accomplishes or the titles I can achieve or whatnot and it's it's more clear and more evident in the entrepreneur you know, when, when you are mostly the person responsible for it. And, you know, there's just, there's more. So I do love, I do love being proud of, of what I'm able to create.
0: Well, and being able to celebrate that as well. And I think that's the reminder, many entrepreneurs taking the time to celebrate the things they've created and, and recognizing that, wow, you know, I did that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. and, 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 and taking the time to to pat themselves on the back, to feel good about that. I don't think we don't celebrate enough.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You know, there's the, like, there there's the societal push towards like humbleness and not bragging and not, not being proud. And, you know, I'll say like humbleness has never been a value of mine. I've always been like, yeah, look, look at the, look at all the cool stuff I'm doing. Like it's okay. Um, and I think people are scared to brag even internally. Right. It's, it's so there, there's so many there's so much messaging in society against that that even, you know, they don't only feel not good externalizing, but even internally, they're they're just like, oh no, I can't, I can't be proud of myself for, for this kind of stuff. And so I'm 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 glad I never took those messages on.
0: <laughs> nice. All right. So what's the big dream?
1: Yeah, you know, so the big vision for this company, and it goes back to what we're saying with like paying, you know, passing money forward is really building a bigger organization with a lot of employees, with a lot of contractors, with, you know, really being a bigger, brighter conduit of all that. And it's, I, I enjoy having my own business, but I also have worked with for some amazing companies and I would love to build a company that can have a much greater, bigger, more lasting impact than anything, than, than like an, a, what, what's more of a solopreneur, kind of the service-based entrepreneur world that I'm still playing in right now.
0: Nice, love that. All right. So you've had coffee with an entrepreneur for the last hour and you want to leave them with Jane's words of wisdom. What would you share?
1: Do the thing. I think so many people sit on the sidelines. Just do it. It'll be be fine. (laughs) It's all going to work out.
0: It'll be fine. Love that. Jane, thank you so much for hanging out today. Sharing so much. Loved your stories, love your passion and uh, love the work that you're doing.
1: Thank you so much. I appreciate it.
0: If you enjoyed the show, please like, subscribe, or leave a review. We have a free gift for you at addvaluemindset.com. That's addvaluemindset.com. We've collected some of the best mindset secrets shared by successful entrepreneurs on our podcast, and we want to give them to you for free. addvaluemindset.com. In our next episode... Chris Nagel shares his journey from selling T-shirts in high school to professional snowboarder, selling gear and building his own pro shop, to becoming a financial advisor, and then really learning about money and how to help others with the financial knowledge to fuel lasting freedom.